Hi, and welcome to another episode of Peculiar Youth Connect. Today, we're going to be talking about how to find your identity. Now, what does identity mean? How do you find it? Is, this, is it found in what you do? Is it found in the world? Is it found in your family, your friends, etc.? Or is it found in the Word of God? And this, uh, this is going to be part one of two. So I want you to um, listen with your hearts. And I pray that God will give you wisdom and understanding as the, as the panelists speak on this very, very important topic for today. So God bless you. Take care. Hallelujah. The question before me today says, do you identify people as they want to be identified? Or do you identify them as the word of God identifies them? First of all, identity is something that can be viewed from different angles, socially, psychologically, spiritually, in different ways we can talk about identity. But I'm going to narrow this down because of time and just simplify identity as a way of recognition or distinguishing something or someone. So if someone walks up to you and introduces himself or herself as she wishes or he wishes to be recognized, the right thing to do is to abide by their wish. How would you feel if you introduce yourself to someone and the person says, oh, no, I'm not going to recognize you like that? Socially, you're going to feel like, okay, who determines how I will be recognized? I think that is my determination, not your determination. So there is kind of a conflict there. So the general principle is we must respect people's wish. We must respect people's decisions. We must respect people's will, especially when they have come to full age. You see, the will that God gives to man is a very powerful gift that God gives to man. And that must be respected. Even though we use that will to make bad decisions, which sometimes is like, um, I don't want to recognize that will because it's not agreeing with what I feel. We still have to honor that. The will could be used in a way we don't agree with, but God gave man will. And that must be seriously respected. So most people will agree with recognizing and distinguishing people by how they wish to be identified on various subjects like, you know, my name is, 
I am this, I am that. A lot of us don't really have a problem with that. But the most challenging part is gender identity. When there is a conflict biologically and socially, when there is a conflict with the biological identity and social identity. For example, a male introduces himself to you as a female. <laughs> this is the challenge. How do you handle that? Do you recognize the person as a male? Or do you recognize the person as a female? If the principle is going to hold true to respecting people's will, Figure that out yourself. If somebody comes to you and say, I'm a she, even though you know the person is a she, socially you respect that will. There may be a conflict, you morally, there may be a conflict with your mind, there may be a conflict with that, but you respect that person's wish, you respect that person's will. And I was like, God, when I was praying about this, I'm thinking about this, I'm researching about this, the Lord gave me scripture on Romans chapter 1. And I checked it out on, I mean, I read different versions, but Amplified Version broke down a lot of things, and I would encourage you to please read it, Romans chapter 1 from verse 21 to 32. And um, in verse 24, in verse 24, it says, Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their own hearts. God gave them over. Even God, who created man, who gave man will, you know, had to give them over to their wishes. Okay? That's what you want to get it. Okay? And in verse 5, in verse 25, because by choice they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They chose to exchange the truth of God for a lie. And in verse 26, for this reason, God gave them over. So God respected their wish, even though God knew they were doing the, the, something wrong. He said, okay, I give you over to your vital affection. That's what you wanted. And then in verse 27, in the same way also, men turned away from natural function of the woman and were consumed with their desire towards one another. Men with men committed shameful acts and in turn receiving in their own bodies the inevitable and appropriate penalty for their wrongdoing. In verse 28, and since they did not see it fit to acknowledge God or consider him worth knowing as their creator, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do these things, to do those things which are improper and repulsive. Can you imagine? God gave them over. God respected their wish, and he gave them over. And then he now said, yes, I gave you over, but there's definitely going to be a repercussion for your action. And say, although they know God's righteous decree in verse 32, although they know God's righteous decree and his judgment, that those who do such things deserve death, yet, they not only do them, but they even enthusiastically approve and tolerate others who practice them. 
So I was asking the Lord, and I was like, okay, you give them over. However, there is repercussion to their action. So the Almighty God put it in my spirit and said, for the fact that you recognize people as they wish to be recognized, that does not mean that you encourage them to do it. That does not mean you approve of them to do it. So where the problem is and the conflict is and the moral um, challenge lies is if you become an affirming person. Like we have churches now that they call themselves affirming churches that they do not stand and preach the word of God, but rather they affirm things that God condemns. That is where the problem is in verse 32. Not only doing those things, but approving those that do them. So the things that God disapproves has to be disapproved. However, when it comes to human will, when it comes to somebody coming up to you and saying, this is who I am, this is who I wish to be recognized, you can't say to the person, I'm not going to recognize you like that. You just put yourself in that condition and say, oh, my name is Bridget. Somebody say, no, your name is not Bridget. I'm not calling you that. I'll call you something else. That can be very offensive. Even God gave them over. He knew the decision they made was a bad decision, but he still allowed them to go ahead with that and bear the responsibility. He said they're worthy of death. They're going to deal with it. So whatever it is, we have to allow God to lead us and be wise at the same time. And know that the will of man is a an important gift that God gave to man. And with that will, we make bad choices. God still respects that, but there is repercussion for our choices. So, in rounding up, I would just um, encourage us to respect others, respect their will, but we do not affirm what God has condemned. Thank you, and God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. Um, before I go on to the next question, um, first of all, does anybody have anything to contribute? When um, Dr. Ring, you're talking about the will of man and how God respects the choices or the, or the will of man, it reminds me of, of um, in the Old Testament when the children of Israel came up to Samuel and they said that they, they want they want a king because they saw the other nations and they wanted to be like the other nations. And even though when they were saying that to Samuel, Samuel was grieving his heart, the Bible says that told the Bible says God told Samuel to heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I shall not reign over them. So God told Samuel to allow the people to have that, even though it was grieving Samuel, and even though even though the, even though God was rejected. So God God respects the will of man. That's what I'm getting getting from this. So now, with that being said, on to the next question. Now, the same will that you use to sin is the same will that you can use to turn to God and give your life to God. So now, imagine this is for Pastor Kat, Pastor Kathleen Edhere. I have prayed, now imagine this is a question, I have prayed and I love God, but I don't like who I am becoming. How do I change to line up with scripture? I have prayed, I love God, I go to church, but I don't like the person that I'm becoming. How do I change to line up 
with scripture. Pastor Catherine, the floor is for you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's good to be here once again, saints. Hmm. First of all, let me, um, I think I'll be safe to assume that this person is a Christian because from the first phrase, I have prayed. I love God. But that is where the challenge is. I don't like who I am becoming. As I was preparing for this question and I was thinking about this question, the scripture that came to my mind was Second Corinthians chapter 5. And I read all of the chapter, verse 17 says, I am a new creature in Christ. What is it about who you are becoming that you don't like? Is it the fact that you are not sinning anymore? Is it that your friends are making fun of you? Is it that you are not socially accepted anymore? All of this, to me, is a valid reason for anyone to feel awkward of who they are becoming. But the Bible says that no one cometh unto Christ except he draws him. Is a gift. You are special. You are peculiar for you to even be able to receive the gift of salvation. And after you receive that gift of salvation, the Bible says you should work out your salvation in fear and in trembling, because now you know that you are a new person. You are not. You are. You carry God in you consciously. And in Second Corinthians chapter five, verse one says that our bodies are like tents that we live here on earth. So you know that you no longer belong here. But the body, the, the, the physical body that you see that loves to enjoy those things is not in agreement with your soul anymore. This body is just carrying your new you because it is not your body that changed. If you remember the, in the book of John chapter 3, Nicodemus asked the Lord Jesus Christ, how will this thing be? Does that mean I want to go to my mother's womb and get born again again? I don't understand this. And the Lord said to him, you will be born of water and spirit. It is your inner man that is getting born again, not your body. So the fact that you said I'm born again does not mean you're going to go taller or shorter or, or fatter. And this body, being used to what it was before, we want to revolt against some things. But because the Lord has given you will, you like we 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 we, we like um Dr. Bridger spoke to us a few minutes ago that the will that God gave to man can either be used positively or negatively. So how do you want to use your will? Now, as a regenerated person, 
you will say, I know that my body wants to do something, but that were all things. Now I am a new creature. This body you have to you you have to cooperate with me. So first of all, I will want to suggest that we take the word of God as food and say, Lord, this is what your word says. I am not really liking this. I am being rejected. I I want to smoke. I want to drink. I want to I want to uh, you know I want to have sex with multiple partners. I want to you know I want to lie. I want to do a lot of things. I want to dress the way I want. I remember even as uh, a born again Christian, there are things I used to wear. But as I grow in the Lord, there were things I was not, I, I wasn't feeling comfortable wearing some things anymore. I remember there was a time that I would cut my hair and I would dye it yellow, red, blue, purple, and then I would write Jesus is Lord, and I just do some things. And I was born again. But as I grow up, as I grow in my faith, I know that I am a Bible that some people are reading. So I have to force myself to I have to force my body to understand who I am, my inner mind. And I want my body to reflect who my inner man is. The word of God is a food for our soul. This body for me is just a tent that can be destroyed. But the soul that will return to God can never be destroyed. That is what is regenerated. And the moment you feed the soul with the word of God, the body will not have any choice than to cooperate with it. And as long as we are here on earth, I am not saying we are going to struggle, but because this case our body, our body, is we're going to leave it here on earth. So it will always want to contend with our soul. It is like the Bible says that it is like clothes that we put up on that we put upon ourselves. So even when we groan under this body groan, we know that we have something better. We are looking forward to put that body into the word of God and say, you body, you've got to complete with who I am now because I am a new creature. All things are passed away. I am born again. Uh, all things is passed and I'm not going back to it. And you begin to fit your body onto that until the perfect day. Praise the Lord. That's my contribution today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um yeah, before I go on to the next question, I um, just want to know if anybody has any contribution to that about um, about how if you love God, but yet you're, you don't like who you're becoming. Does anybody have any contribution to that before I go on to the next question? Yes, I just um, want to say on practical note that um, loving God and becoming something that is contrary or in conflict to your new nature um, can be handled 
by first of all facing that situation that is in conflict with who you are and call it by what it is. You know, for example, as a child of God, if somebody is struggling maybe with um, pornography or is struggling with something that he knows is not healthy, the first thing to do is to judge it as sin and confront that as not compatible with who you are. And that is the first thing to do to overcome. I judge you as sin, and sin will not have dominion over me. And I receive grace to overcome you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Then another thing is do not compare yourself to others. Do not excuse it. Don't say others are doing it. I'm not the only one. Even pastors, even this, bishops, you know. The moment you are excusing it and comparing yourself, the Bible says, we should not be foolish comparing ourselves with one another, but rather we should make Jesus our standard. So don't say because somebody is doing it and it's okay that it's okay for me or for you to do it. No. Agree with the word of God. Judge sin as sin. And then start from what you can change, what you can handle. You know, there are situations in your life that you can you can handle. For example, there are some things that you don't need to lie about. Why do you have to lie? You start with things that is easy for you to overcome. And then you go from known to unknown. And the ones that are most difficult, you cry to God, I need your help, help me to resolve this, deliver this. I am not going to affirm it. I am not going to excuse it. It's not right, and I overcome it in the name of Jesus. But start from the simple things that you can fix. And as you allow the Holy Spirit to empower you to overcome those little things, and you don't, you don't excuse the things that God has condemned, you will see yourself receiving more grace and exercising yourself more and more onto godliness, you become master of it more and more. So my prayer is that the Lord would empower every single one of us to master those things that we need to master in our lives. And I pray the Holy Spirit also will empower us as we grow in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ so we can condemn what God has condemned and not to affirm them. And whatever Amen. it is that is beyond us, that the Almighty God is going to intervene and bring deliverance so that we can please Him completely in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you for that. So um, I'm going to switch gears now to a new question. And when we're talking about identity, sometimes it's the question may come of does your identity come from your profession, what you do? Or does your identity come from who you are, meaning your birth and your inheritance? So I think we have to we have to differentiate between where does your identity come from. So this question is for Doctor Doctor Amy, and sometimes it's hard to differentiate. But the question goes, and I'll give the floor to you. The question is, 
does your identity come from what you do or does your identity come from who you are? So, Dr. Ine, the floor is, is open to you. God bless you. Thank you. So this is a really, really great question. Thank you to the person that um, sent this question in. So um, identity is very important. Um, we all know that because how we identify ourselves determines how we approach our lives. Um, it determines the decisions we make on a day-to-day -day basis, and it determines um, how we deal with purpose. And it's what leads us to destiny. Um, so when I think about identity, um, I think about the story of Gideon. Um, we meet Gideon in Judges chapter 6. And the Lord, the Bible tells us that the Lord appeared to Gideon. And the first thing the angel of the Lord said to Gideon was mighty warrior. God identified Gideon as a mighty warrior, even at a time where Gideon thought of himself as the least of the least. Um, he said to God, how can I save Israel when my family is the least and I am the least in my family? But God gave him an identity during that moment by calling him mighty warrior. And that identity as a mighty warrior was very important because it was tied to Gideon's purpose. It was tied to what God was about to send Gideon to do. And we know the story of how Gideon was able to lead the children of Israel to defeat the Midianites. So from that encounter that Gideon had with God, um, once he was able to identify himself the way that God identified in, in him, that changed the trajectory of his life. That changed the way that Gideon viewed life. And for the rest of Gideon's life, it was not the same as it was prior to that encounter. Everything he thought about himself was no longer the case. He took on this new identity and he was able to do so much, so much for the children of Israel. So it's very important that we identify ourselves based on who we are in Christ because it's the only um, it's the only foundation that is strong enough to stand the test of time. Another example, apart from Gideon, is David. Um, David had his identity in God. David defined himself based on how God defined him. David, when, you know, we know the story, when David approached, approached Goliath, he saw Goliath as a threat to his identity because his identity was not that of a shepherd boy, even though that was his job. That was what he did. That was the way his father identified him. That was the, the way that his brothers identified him. Um, he didn't identify himself as just a shepherd boy. He identified himself as the army of the living God. He identified himself as an Israelite. He identified himself as a child of God. And because he identified himself as a child of God, when it came to that moment, where Goliath was basically taunting the children of Israel. No one could approach Goliath. He, he remembered who he was, and he was able to stand up because he saw this threat to the army of the living God. He saw this threat to his identity, and that was how he was able to fight against Goliath. He, David just thought, himself, thought of himself based on what he did on a day-to-day -day basis. He would never have had the courage to go against Goliath. And then we have another example, Joseph. Um, Joseph had his identity in God. 
um, his identity wasn't you know, that of a servant. Even when he found himself in Potiphar's house and he was tempted, he remembered who he was. He remembered that he was the child of God. Even though he had the authority in Potiphar's house to do whatever he wanted to do, and he would probably would have gotten away with it in that moment, but that would have derailed his destiny. That would have changed the purpose that God had for him. He remembered who he was. So he didn't remember the things that he did on a daily basis or his job in keeping Potiphar's house. He remembered his stand, his position in God. Um, even when he was in prison, when he was in, even when he was in the king's palace. So his identity was not changed based on where he was or where or what he did or his daily job. His identity was stable. It was consistent. And so when it comes to the question, how is our identity is our identity based on do we identify ourselves based on what we do or who we are? Well the only the only the only way to have a stable identity is to identify yourself based on the word of God based on how God sees you. God calls us his children. We are the children of God. And if you take on that identity, then, you know, even when your circumstances change, who you are doesn't change. So that's an identity that you can trust. Um, even when, you know, you lose your job, your identity doesn't change because it's based on who you are in Christ. You're able to stand, you're able to have a more firm foundation if your identity is based on who you are in Christ. We can also look at the contrary. Let's say you, your identity comes from what you do, then what happens when you're no longer able to do the things that you do? Um, what happens if you lose your job? What happens if you know, physically you're just not able to do it? Then that security that you had in what you do, you lose that security. And that can lead to, um, that can lead to depression. That can lead to so many other things um, that is detrimental. And another way to look at it, if your identity comes from what you do, then, then you can also say, okay, then you also live a life where you are sort of basing your value on how you perform and your value would come from the things that you do and what people think about you. And that's a very unstable way to live and that you would almost not reach your purpose or um, focus on destiny if that's where your identity comes from. So we want our identity to be on something that we can trust. We want our identity to be on something that can stand the test of time. We want our identity to be on something that cannot change. Um, we want our identity to be, some, be on something that can outlast us, that when we are no more on this earth, you know, our children, our children's children can be able to speak on our behalf and know that we had a person whose identity was in God. So. Um, so to answer that question, I, I, I think that the best way, the only sure way to have a stable identity is to have an identity that is based on what Christ thinks of you, um, rather than what you do, because that's what you do is subject to change. Um, it cannot be trusted. It's very temporary. Um, so that's the, that's my answer to that question. Yes, um, thank you.
Thank you for listening. And that's it for part one of how to find your identity. Later on in the week, we're going to be talking about strongholds and how to pull them down in your life. So um, again, you can listen to us every Tuesdays at 9 p.m. for a brand new recording. And stay blessed and God bless you. And I hope that this reaches you and share this with many people that you know. Take care. Bye-bye.